Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11 as we read the verses 1 to 13. Let us hear God's holy word. Now it came to pass, as he, that is Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. May the Lord apply the reading of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, the God whom we worship and serve is a God who communicates. And he does so in several ways. He does so, first of all, in the creation, by which he communicates that he exists and has created and upholds and governs all things. He also communicates in the conscience. There he communicates to us a basic sense of right and wrong. And he communicates especially in his holy and infallible and inspired word. In the word of God, he communicates who he is and what he requires of us. Namely, that we turn from sin, that we believe on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and live a new and holy life. But God in his mercy not only communicates to us, he has also given us a way whereby we may communicate with him. And what is that way? Well, it is the way of prayer. Prayer is the means whereby the believer communicates with God. Well, starting today and for the next number of weeks, I want to preach a series of sermons on prayer, specifically on the Lord's Prayer. And to assist us in this, we'll follow the explanation of the Lord's Prayer in the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism is one of the confessional statements of the Reformed churches, which dates back to the mid-16th century. This catechism is divided into 52 sections called Lord's Days because they were intended to be preached on each of the 52 Lord's Days of the year. 
The section of the Lord's Prayer begins in Lord's Day 45 and ends in Lord's Day 52. And Lord's Day 45 provides an introduction to the Lord's Prayer. The remaining Lord's Days explain each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer in order. And so with this in mind and God's help, let's reflect on the contents of this Lord's Day under the theme, Believing Prayer. And we'll consider, first of all, the necessity of believing prayer, and secondly, the requirements of believing prayer. Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism begins by asking this question. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Now you'll notice the Catechism does not begin by defining what prayer is. And that's because most of us know what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. Instead, the Catechism begins with the question, why is it necessary? Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Well, in asking that question, our Catechism makes it clear that prayer is not optional. It's not something the Christian can do or not do depending on how he feels or whether he has the time or whether he has the inclination or the desire. No, prayer is something that a Christian must do. Prayer is necessary. In fact, a Christian cannot help but pray. Prayer has been described by someone as the breath of the soul. Just as a person must breathe in order to live, so a Christian must pray. Now why is that? Why is prayer so necessary for the Christian? Well, the Catechism gives us two reasons for this. It says, first of all, because prayer is the chief, or we could say primary, part of thankfulness which God requires of us. The Heidelberg Catechism teaches us that there are two ways in which we express our thankfulness to God. The first way is by keeping His commandments, the Ten Commandments. And now we learn that the second way is by prayer. In fact, of these two ways, keeping the commandments and prayer, prayer is what our catechism calls the chief part of thankfulness. Now in making that claim, catechism is not saying that obeying the law is not important. Keeping the commandments of God and prayer belong together. We must never ever separate these two things. No one can fulfill the commandments without prayer. And no one can pray who is not living in accordance with God's commandments. Someone put it like this. He said, and I quote, the commandment without prayer is a corpse and prayer without the commandment is a ghost. Nevertheless, of these two ways of expressing our thankfulness, prayer is primary. It is chief. Now, why is that? Well, because prayer is more personal and intimate. Think of the relationship between a husband and his wife. The love language of most husbands is practical. They show their love for their wives by doing nice things for them. Some odd jobs around the house or taking her out for dinner or buying her flowers on occasion and so on. But the love language of most wives is different. It is relational. They care less about what you do for them than spending time with them and talking to them. Well, the same is true for God. 
God does not care as much about what you do for him as he cares about you spending time with him and talking to him and cultivating a relationship with him which is done through prayer. And the Heidelberg Catechism understands that and that's why it says that prayer is the chief part of thankfulness. Now the second reason why Christians must pray is this, and again I quote from the Heidelberg Catechism. God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of him and are thankful for them. Now mention is made here of God's grace. What is grace? Grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. Now everyone needs God's grace. The unconverted needs God, need God's grace. Because apart from God's grace, they cannot and will not be saved. They will perish in their sins, and they will be consigned to everlasting damnation and hell. But God's people also need His grace. They need God's grace when they fall into sin. They need God's grace to help them to resist temptation. They need God's grace to help them live a godly life. They continually need the grace of God. Now, the question is, how do they receive that grace? And the answer is by prayer. It is in the way of believing prayer that God is pleased to bestow his grace. But that's not all. Not only does the believer need grace, he also needs the Holy Spirit. And that's because the Holy Spirit is the one who leads, who guides, who teaches and comforts and sanctifies his people. Apart from the Holy Spirit, the believer will not be able to do anything. He will not be able to believe in God, to trust in God, to praise God, to glorify God, to live for God. And the wonderful truth of the gospel is that God freely gives his grace and his Holy Spirit to those who sincerely and persistently ask him. Now, this is exactly what our Lord teaches in the passage of Scripture that we read earlier, Luke 11, particularly in verse 12. Thereafter, describing how a father will gladly give his children whatever they need, Jesus says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The point is, whatever we need in this life, both for body and for soul, is given to us in the way of sincere, persistent, and believing prayer. Well, having said that, do you now realize how important and how necessary prayer is? Prayer is the channel through which God pours out his blessings upon us. It's like the pipe that leads to the faucet. If the faucet is on, the water will flow, and so it is with prayer. It is as we pray that the blessings of God will flow down. Now, in response to this, three objections are commonly raised. And the first is this. Doesn't God know everything anyway, even before we ask him? And if that is true, why bother praying? Well, there's two things we can say in response to this. First of all, not all prayer involves asking. In fact, sometimes the most meaningful prayers and the prayers that God is most pleased with are those in which we ask for nothing at all. They include prayers in which we simply praise God for who he is and what he has done. They include prayers in which we simply pour out our hearts to God. 
or prayers in which we simply thank God for blessings received, or prayers in which we simply confess our sins to God or, or ask Him to forgive a sin we've just committed. Now, this is not to suggest, of course, that when we pray to God, we may not ask Him for things. We certainly may, and Jesus Himself teaches that in the Lord's Prayer. And simply to say that prayer does not always involve asking God for things. And therefore to say that there's no use praying because God knows everything that we need anyway is really to miss the point. It's to misunderstand what prayer actually is. The second thing we need to say in response to this is this. Even though God knows what we need, even before we ask him, he still wants to be asked. Now this is why he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we are not asking God for anything that he does not already know that we need. And yet, the Lord Jesus taught us this prayer. God wants to be asked for the things that we need. Why? Well, for the simple reason that when we ask God for the things that we need, we express our complete and utter dependence upon him. And the more dependent we are upon God, the more God is glorified. Now, there's a second objection to prayer, and it is this. Isn't God sovereign? Is his will not immutable or unchangeable? God is going to do what God is going to do. My prayers cannot change his mind, so why pray? Well, again, let me say two things in response to this. First of all, you do not know what the will of God is. Therefore, why should you not pray? For all you know, what you're praying for is perfectly in accord with the will of God. But secondly, God uses the prayers of his people to accomplish his will. When God decreed that it would not rain on the land of Israel for three years, he used the prayers of Elijah to accomplish his purpose. The Apostle James brings that out in James 5, verses 16 to 18. He writes there that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then following this, he gives us the example of Elijah. He writes, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So what James is telling us is that God worked through Elijah's prayer. Elijah prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain. And he prayed again that it would rain, and it did rain. God uses prayer to accomplish his purposes, and he still does that today. And since that is so, let us never stop praying. Now there's a third objection, and it goes like this. Sometimes, from our perspective, God does change his mind as a result of our prayers. For example, Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. God was intent on destroying the entire city, but he relented for the sake of ten righteous. But the question is, is not God's will immutable? Is it not unchangeable? Yes, it is. But he uses our prayers to accomplish his will. Now, the third objection is this. I have prayed about something many times, people will say, and for many years, but so far God has not answered me. So why bother praying? Well, again, 
I could say several things in response to this. First of all, it could be that what you are asking for is not necessary or for your good. The Apostle Paul prayed three times that the Lord might remove the the thorn in the flesh from him, and every single time God said no. It was more needful for Paul to learn to live out of grace. And that's true for us as well. Just because God does not answer our prayers in the way that he would like does not mean that he does not hear them. Sometimes God says no, and he does not always explain why. Secondly, it could be that God will answer your prayer, but just not yet. Abraham and Sarah prayed for many years that they might have a son, and it was not until they were both well past the age of childbearing that God answered their prayer. Why did God wait so long? Well, most likely to test their faith and so that all the glory would go to him when they finally did receive a child. The point is, God does not always answer our prayers in the way that we would like or when we would like. But that doesn't mean we should give up praying. On the contrary, it means we should pray all the more. And so let this be an encouragement to us. Dear friends, let us never give up praying. Let us never think that there's no use in praying. The Lord commands us to pray and to keep on praying. And so prayer is vitally necessary. But in order for our prayers to be heard by God, they must meet certain requirements. And that brings us to our second point, the requirements of believing prayer. Question 117 of the Heidelberg Catechism asks this question. What are the requirements of that prayer which is acceptable to God and which he will hear. Now we learn here from the question that not every prayer is acceptable to God or is heard by him. Now some people today don't like to hear that. They seem to think that any prayer is acceptable to God. They reject the idea that prayer must have certain requirements. Prayer, they say, should be spontaneous. In prayer, we should just talk to God any way we feel like. But friends, that's simply not true. In order for our prayers to be heard by God, they must meet certain requirements. This is precisely what the Lord Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. Well, what are these requirements? Well, the Heidelberg Catechism lists three of them. First of all, it says, our prayers must be directed to the right object. Let me quote from the Heidelberg Catechism. It says that we, the first requirement of prayer, is that we, from the heart, pray to the one true God only who has manifested himself in his word for all things he has commanded us to ask of him. And so we learn here that prayer must be directed to God, the God who has revealed himself in his word. Now that may be obvious to us, but it is not obvious to the vast majority of people in our society today. Most people today, if they pray at all, pray to what they call a higher power. And if they call this higher power God, it is not the God of the Scriptures. But rather, it is a God of their own making, an omnipotent wizard of Oz who spends all of his time doing nice things for people. 
There are other people who pray to a false god or to saints. Or they pray to the one true God, but not as he has revealed himself in his word. And my friends, those prayers are unacceptable to God. In order for our prayer to be acceptable to God, we must pray to God. The prayer must be directed to God, the God who has revealed himself in his holy and infallible word. What is more, it says here, we must pray to this God from the heart. That means our prayers must be sincere. We should never pray merely out of custom. Nor should we ever pray merely to put on a show for others or as, or as an outward religious exercise. One commentator compares such prayers to soap bubbles. They're composed of very beautiful colors, but they burst shortly after they are released. No, we must pray as though we really believed that what we need and what we're asking for is necessary and that God is able and willing to give it. What is more, we must pray for all things as he has commanded us to ask of him. And what are those things? What are the things that God has said we may ask him for? Well, our catechism answers that question in question and answer 118. There the question is asked, what has God commanded us to ask of him? And the answer is this, all things necessary for soul and body, which Christ our Lord has comprised in that prayer he himself has taught us. Now, our catechism here is referring, of course, to the Lord's Prayer, which is written out in question and answer 119. You'll notice that in this prayer, we have a summary of the things that we are to pray for. First of all, we are to pray about God. We are to pray that his name be hallowed, that his kingdom might come, and that his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then, and only then, are we to pray for ourselves. We are to ask God to give us our daily bread, to forgive us our debts, and to prevent us from, from being led into temptation. Now you'll notice that this includes both material and spiritual things, and in that order. First of all, we may pray for our daily bread, that's the material things, and secondly, for the forgiveness of sins and deliverance from temptation, that summarizes the spiritual things. Well, this is what we are commanded to pray about. Nothing more, but also nothing less. Secondly, our prayers must be presented with the right attitude. The Heidelberg Catechism says this, and I quote, that we rightly and thoroughly know our need and misery, that so we may deeply humble ourselves in the presence of his divine majesty. Our Catechism here speaks of need, and rightly so, because why would we pray if we had no need? But what kind of need is this? Well, it's our need to be reconciled to God. The person who prays in the right way is conscious of the fact that he has sinned against a holy and a righteous God, and therefore he deserves nothing from his hand, only his wrath and condemnation. And it's only when we know something of our need that our prayers will be acceptable to God. Our catechism also says that we must know something of our misery. Misery is the result of sin. We must not only know something of our sin, but also of the results, the consequences of our sin. We must know our misery. Why? Because when we know something of our need and misery, then we will become nothing before God. We will be humble. 
Our catechism says that we will deeply humble ourselves in the presence of his divine majesty. And that's exactly the posture that we need to adopt if we want God to answer our prayers. The third requirement of prayer is it must have the right basis. Again, the catechism says we must be fully persuaded that he, that is God, notwithstanding that we are unworthy of it for the sake of Christ our Lord, certainly hear our prayer as he has promised us in his word. In other words, we must pray in faith, believing that God will hear and answer our prayer according to his holy and sovereign will. And that's not because of anything in us, because there is nothing in us, but only on the basis of the mediatorial intercession and atoning work of Jesus Christ. And that's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's not simply a phrase that we tack on to our prayers. It's an acknowledgement that the only way that God can hear and answer our prayers is through Jesus Christ. And those who pray in his name have no reason to doubt that God will hear them. In John 14, verse 13, Jesus said, Whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God will hear and answer every prayer that we offer in faith for the sake of Christ his Son, according to his holy will. And so we see that not all prayer is heard by God. In order for prayer to be heard by God, it must have a right object, it must be with the right attitude, and it must have the right basis. Well, let me ask you, is that true of your prayers today? Prayer is not easy. In fact, it's the most challenging aspect of the Christian life, but it is something that we must do, and we must do so in the right way. So let me ask you as I close, do you pray? And do you also pray in the right way? Perhaps after hearing this sermon, your reaction is, well, this is too much. I can't do all of this. I cannot pray. Most of the time, I feel my prayers are so cold and empty, and they fall so, so short of the standard that God requires of me, I just want to give up altogether. Well, I understand how you feel, but again, I urge you, do not give up. And here, too, we must look to the Lord Jesus Christ. If there ever was a man who knew how to pray, it was the Lord Jesus. Throughout his earthly ministry, he took time out for prayer. Sometimes he prayed for an entire night, and he's still praying for us today. He has ascended up into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of his Father. And what's he doing there? He's making intercession for us. Day and night, he never ceases to bring our needs and our concerns, our sighs and our groans to his Father in prayer. He never stops praying for his people. He prays for them even when they cannot and will not pray for themselves. In fact, as our faithful high priest, he takes our feeble and often sin-laden petitions and he cleanses them he presents them faultless before his father in heaven and he pleads that for the sake of his atoning work he would hear and grant us what we ask oh how thankful we should be for such a high priest and what an incentive we have to pray to him he never grows weary of hearing his people pray and he will grant us whatever we ask in his name according to his will for he is the god the only god 
who hears and answers prayer. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy and privilege to be able to preach to you the Word of God every Sunday on this station. And if you are blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Won't you please take the time to write a short note to us, letting us know that you are listening to this broadcast. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X, 2M9. And when you write, please indicate the call letters of this station. If you take the time to write to us, we'll gladly send you, free of charge, a copy of the Heidelberg Catechism on which this series of sermons is based. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.